Hey everyone, welcome to Heart for Clive, a podcast for everything Web3. I am Kasra, your host. Today I had the pleasure of talking to David. David is the gaming and NFT partnership at Arbitrum. And for those of you who don't know, Arbitrum is a scaling solution on Ethereum. They're navigating different use cases for blockchain, DeFi, NFTFi, DEXs. But today's conversation was mostly around gaming. And as David is heading the NFT and gaming partnerships at Arbitrum, we had a lot of interesting discussion points about uh, what is Web3 Gaming, uh, the advice he has for new Web3 Game founders, what are the things to focus on, how to see the current landscape of gaming. So there's a lot of valuable insights in this episode that you don't want to miss. But before we continue, a few words from our sponsors. Building applications on blockchain is complicated and expensive today. And a lot of builders always face this question. Should I go and build this thing in-house and I need to maintain it? It's going to be costly. It's going to be hard. And my main focus is on building my own application, not to maintain the infrastructure. Or should I go and use an unreliable or too centralized solution out there, which doesn't allow me to scale in the right way. Flare.dev comes in and tries to solve these core problems for integrating blockchain into your application. The core of what Flare does is a smart contract framework that is scalable. So you can deploy any smart contract on Flare, fully decentralized, and you can upgrade it in a decentralized way as your project progresses. So that gives you ultimate flexibility and scalability. Also, for a lot of protocols or projects, there is a flow of reading, indexing, or streaming data from blockchain, whether it is token data, transaction data, NFT data, or your custom smart contracts events. You want to be able to process that data in a flexible way, maybe make some external API calls or process that data in a unique way and react on that index data in a certain way method. For example, relaying a transaction on blockchain or storing that data in your MySQL, MongoDB, or AWS. Or for example, sending a message to your Discord, Telegram. Basically, that flow of reading the data or an event, processing it, and triggering an action, Flare gives you the core tools you need for indexing and relaying and storing that data in the most scalable, easy-to-use, and decentralized way. So if you want to learn more about Flare, definitely make sure to check their website, which is flare.dev. That is F-L-A-I-R.dev. David, welcome to the podcast. I always love to start our conversations with a why question. And I think with your position, with your background, I think the obvious question is, why do you think gaming industry needs blockchain? Hey, well, first of all, thanks for having me on Hard Fork Live, Kazra. Really excited to be here. Uh, been working with you for a long time now, so really pleased to, to join your podcast at some point. <clears throat> uh, just to introduce myself, I'm David, and I work at Gaming Partnerships at Arbitrum. Um, so yeah, focus mainly on gaming. Uh, for context, Arbitrum is the leading layer two for Ethereum. And yeah, really, really pleased to be here. Um, 
why why I'm particularly interested and bullish on Web3 gaming is really the digital ownership part of it and not so much the the game fi side of things. Um, what I my background um, in gaming started when I was very young. I was obviously playing like the Sega Mega Drive, the PlayStation One, um, giving away my age for sure. But um, where I really got into gaming and a deep level was sort of in RuneScape. Um, that was like an online MMO. It still is actually. Um, and yeah, I was playing that like thousands of hours poured into it. Um, but at the end of the life cycle, it was like a three year uh, journey for me through RuneScape. Um, and really there was nothing to sort of take away from it. Like you couldn't trade your character, you couldn't own any of the assets. And that's where I really resonates with me that digital ownership and ownership of game assets is a much more engaging experience so that's what i'm really really focused on and interested in for web3 gaming yeah i couldn't agree more and it's kind of interesting to me that why not a lot of uh, web3 games mostly focus on this aspect because as you mentioned the kind of the um, the tokenomics and DeFi aspects always come a bit first and i think that's yeah. a bit uh, premature optimization because I think it's yeah. possible with blockchain to have a full economy, but it's going to be a bit hard to get it from the beginning and it's going to probably confuse some users. But I had never had a problem of explaining blockchain in the lens of, hey, in in this game, you're going to be um, owning your own asset compared to, let's, for example, Clash of Clans. It's a typical game that a lot of people are spending hours and hours, but technically, Supercell, the company behind Clash of Clans, is going to be owning all those things. So I think that's just the simplest um, way of explaining to people why we need, let's say, blockchain for gaming. But why do you think a lot of games don't necessarily start with this? Is it just because uh, the tokenomics are much more, I don't know, hotter or sexier? Or uh, why do you think that's the reason? If we assume all teams are genuine, then I guess the reason for that is that... Um, it's obviously a very high barrier to entry technically. Um, so if, you, if you're trying to build a traditional game, it's a huge feat in itself. To then put blockchain elements on top of that is obviously really difficult. So <clears throat> what we see in the past couple of years is that it's been teams from the blockchain side of things that have then built the games and therefore they've obviously optimized for the blockchain tokenomics element of it although i do i do see that that's changing rapidly um i think the the amount of figures that are entering entering the space from traditional gaming has really increased exponentially recently um games are starting to realize that players are playing for fun and not playing to earn predominantly um there's just two different parts in your day in my opinion um there's the fun part and the investing part and the two of them don't really mix in my opinion so when i'm playing web3 games i'm not playing them to earn money at all or invest um i do have a, a time in my day for that stuff but it's definitely um not not centered around investing in gaming sort of thing um it's really yeah i think teams are realizing that you can get a much deeper level of engagement and the clash of clans example that you gave is really good as well um another example of that i guess is like league of legends as a whole whole environment of esports around it which is like huge huge audience 
Um, but the players that are playing it at the top level or complain they don't have upside in the game, they're obviously doing a lot for it. Um, so there's no like community ownership there. Um, you also play for skins and you have to buy them with like this gold in the game, but it's not real gold, it's not digital currency, it's just it's just kind of like within the game itself. Um, so there's a grey market of League of Legends skins and stuff, and it's just I just think grey markets can be can be removed and blockchains completely solve all of that problem. So I, I just don't I just think there's no reason really why a gamer should be adverse to blockchain games. Um, we just have to sort of change their view a little bit, I would say. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a typical player, if you remove all the, I don't know, complexities or jargon of blockchain, then, yeah. and obviously, I mean, the tech is not there yet, which is totally mm -hmm. fine because no other technology was perfect from day one. I don't know why a lot of people expect that, hey, wallets should be perfect from day one or, I don't know, uh, different chains needs to be really fast. I mean, the, the the potential is there. It's just about fine tuning it and making it just better every day. And I know a lot of smart people, uh, including the people in Arbitrum, a lot of game developers are working on these things. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. So maybe a different way of looking at this is, so we know that, you know, to make it um, really sticky uh, for blockchain gaming, maybe there should be more demand rather than supply. So for example, a lot of players would, it would make sense for them to interact with blockchain. And as you mentioned, asset ownership could be that. Um, how do you see this kind of, you know, blockchain evolving compared to the previous, let's say, similar innovations we had? For example, when mobile came out, then a lot of people had phones and then the game developers went and built games on phones and kind of, you know, made the free-to-play model much stronger. Uh, do you think that maybe these experiments that we're doing, let's say, with different type of games, introducing people to wallets, as much as a kind of maybe not a really good experience, but slowly getting the, um, let's say, the word out about what is blockchain gaming, what is wallet, do you think these are contributing? Or, for example, I don't know, a, a big gaming studio should come and introduce a blockchain game, and that would revolutionize the gaming industry on blockchain? Or is it kind of start from the bottom and from these small games and indie game studios and is going to get us, let's say, to the next levels? Which which one of these uh, uh, kind of avenues do you think is more uh, uh, plausible? Yeah, I think it's great that you split it into the sort of the indie game studios and then the top end, the traditional um, ones as well. There is a layer in the middle, um, which I guess is the sort of heavily funded crypto teams that are building games with like huge VC backing um, but I think at Arbitrum we are particularly bullish on indie gaming leading the way uh, the sort of the war end buckets and then also the top end of a huge game studio coming in and cracking this um, so yeah I think we're optimizing for the sort of the war end and the top end buckets and those spectrums and not so much the one in the middle um, but yeah I think indie teams really have a huge, huge um, reason to build on a blockchain. There's like the new funding met models, such as getting small NFT mint up front and getting some funding to build the game and having the community part of that as well. Um, so I think indie game teams have got a really good product market fit because the strong of the strong community effects that they can. Um, they can leverage, which you don't really have if you're building a traditional 
indie game. Um, it's kind of unknown until it goes live sort of thing, in my opinion. Um, so definitely indie teams have a great chance at cracking mass adoption um, to a certain extent. Um, yeah, I would I would place my bet on an indie team actually breaking the way. But th- I guess I'm biased. That's what I want to see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I, I think they're much more nimble. They can move faster. They can experiment. And yeah. It's really interesting the thing you mentioned about the media layer. Probably those are kind of the gaming... They're basically between indie game developers and, let's say, AAA studio. What makes them a bit not suitable for blockchain gaming? Is it because they're not really good at that level or also they're not really nimble as the indie game developer? Is that kind of the thing that makes them a bit maybe not efficient for blockchain gaming, at least maybe now? Um, My view on it is that when speaking to um, people at huge game studios, traditional game studios, a big a big studio like Blizzard or EA, they when they make a game, they think it's roughly a 10% chance of it being successful, right? So it's a reasonably low chance at succeeding, um, no matter how good the company is. Um, and therefore, when you add blockchain elements to it, that, that I think that drops below 1%, maybe even, maybe even less. So it's very, very risky to to like a three to five year development cycle right now on a blockchain next AAA or AA game and spend tens or hundreds of millions on it. And then it, it just doesn't succeed for very niche reasons, potentially. Um, the other problem that I see with this model right now is that the gamers playing Web3 games are Web3 users. Um, and therefore the pool is relatively small. so. To sort of make the return on investment that these current AAA games that are from crypto teams are making, the barrier to entry is going to be very high. It's going to be like two or three hundred dollars for the NFT, potentially just to sort of break even, and that isn't really where we're looking to go. And I, I would say gaming. Um, I would say that like the beacon, which we'll probably touch on later. It was a game on Arbitrum at launch, and it was forty dollars entry. Um, and they exceeded the amount of players they expected by probably 5x. But a lot of people were questioning how low it was, and $40 is the price of a game in the real world, 40 to $60, you know. So if we're looking to crack this this traditional gaming market, we have to be pitching games at that price level, um, and therefore the sort of investment in those has to be realistic for the time being until the, the Web3 gaming user base increases massively but at the moment it's not there yeah that's super insightful i think um maybe like a lot of other let's say innovations on blockchain um you need to have shorter feedback loops to make sure that you know this this idea that you're working on is it gonna work is it not gonna work and uh, we, we cannot afford long cycle of you know development as you mentioned that no. it's gonna be burning a lot of cash a lot of attention and maybe it at the end, it would be, you know, for nothing. Um, one other thing I have uh, read recently, which kind of really stuck to me, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts about this, was um, from Vitalik. He had a blog post that he mentioned maybe one or two years ago, he was super excited about, you know, new ideas on blockchain, let's say, you know, all the things we haven't experimented or written down before. And, you know, things can get pretty crazy. 
when you think about you know the potentials of blockchain. Um, but I mean, in his recent blog post, he mentioned that he's more interested in, let's say, the ideas that we have kind of written down before, the kind of the ideas that have shown some viability or let's say potential and double down on those. For example, in the blockchain, it could be, you know, DeFi, money movements. Um, uh, some of these things are much more worth basically double down on. Bringing that to the context of gaming, is it fair to say that it's some of these aspects are really not working? For example, some crazy tokenomics, or I don't know, lending, borrowing, or I don't know, renting of your NFTs. Some of this could not be really high potential, but for example, as you mentioned, like asset ownership could be a really simple thing to educate people on and onboard a lot of people. For example, what Reddit has done with their kind of NFTs that they distributed and gathered the community. Do you think that maybe it's better to just double down? Uh, my point is, is it better to limit down the, um, the amount of things we want to do on blockchain and do it really well and go to the next step rather than trying to come up with all these crazy and new ideas that some of them might work, some of them might not work. Uh, what, what are your thoughts about this aspect? Yeah, I think we definitely need to lean into the digital ownership part <clears throat> for Web3 Gaming. That's what really interests me. Um, I, when, for example, if you take like digital art online, if you right-click and save it to your desktop, you don't really have any like, connection to it. You don't. You probably won't look at it again. But if it's an NFT, then you do have like a deeper feeling of... Um, of ownership of it and well at least i do um and yeah i i do think that that is much much more engaging than a skin in a game that is just kind of saved on a random server and you you won't ever use again when you leave the game um so i, I i'm a strong believer in the digital ownership being <clears throat> the main the main selling point um or point of interest for games to to build on blockchains I think tokenomics shouldn't be shouldn't be it at all. We've yet to see a game token that hasn't gone to zero. Um, to be honest, like every single chart looks the same. Um, they go straight up and then straight back down. Um, they're not they're not they're not attractive investments. Like, like the gaming community isn't looking for this stuff. They're looking for fun games, and that's it. Um, I think I touched on it earlier that. You have these two parts of your mind and i just don't see much crossover and in investing in gaming for me at least yeah they, they should be separate again in also the traditional world there are some things that you invest in and there are some things that you play in and i think yeah if you if you mix them there is a high chance that you would please no one because mm -hmm. there's some people that would come for gaming and they would get confused is it the investment asset is the gaming asset and also the other way so it's just you're, you're not a perfect solution for anyone. Um, you had a really good example for Beacon, which is a game on Arbitrum. Uh, I think it's really important to double down on these, let's say, examples that have something, let's say, good, something that works. And I think we need a lot of these, you know, um, examples for other people to get inspired by and, you know, make, make something even better. Uh, what do you think was interesting about their project and what are the things that maybe other game founders or uh, other Web3 builders can learn a lesson from from this team i think there's a lot to learn from the beacon and teams are um game game development teams are talking about it a lot and they have learned a lot actually since since it went live in december 
Um, in my opinion, it's one of the most successful Web3 games last year. Uh, it was actually playable, which is sometimes unique in Web3 gaming. They're normally NFTs first and not much to play. Um, the game was playable. It was The Mint went live at the same time the game went live. Um, it was super low barrier to entry, $40 like we touched on. And yeah, you could come, you could play the beacon that's a dungeon crawler for those that don't know. Um, but it's a dungeon crawler with like your own house and a little community space nearby uh, outside the dungeon. So you could come, you could play the free version, you could complete the dungeon for the day. But when you completed that day's dungeon, um, you got a treasure chest basically, um, like a loot box style. And if you didn't have the NFT, then you didn't, you didn't get anything from that but if you minted like the founding character and you ran you completed the dungeon then you got the treasure box at the end of the day and had items that you could then put in your house so that was super super successful from a sort of user generated content UGC angle and that people were sharing like how their house looked after they completed that day's dungeon they had different elements to it Um, and they really enjoyed that another key part was that people really enjoyed streaming the dungeon. It was really short. It was like 30 seconds, maybe one minute long. Um, and therefore there was a lot of UGC, a lot of streaming, people streaming how quickly they did it, how how badly they did it even, or whether they managed to get through without damage. Um, so completing the dungeon of the day was a huge, huge community effort, I would say, and a really fun thing to be involved in. It was very engaging. Um, the model that they they pulled off successfully is that once you completed the dungeon, you were kind of done for the day until the, the next day's dungeon came live and it was different. So that was really nice as well. It was all, everything changed daily. Um, but yeah, if you wanted to complete it more than once, you had to mint a more, more founding characters. And a lot of people I know minted three, five, even more um, beacon characters. I did as well. Um, and most of these people, I believe, did it for enjoyment and fun. I didn't mint a beacon character expecting to make money from it because it was an open edition. Um, so there was there was very limited um, expectation of upside in my opinion, but people still did it and it was because of the digital ownership part of it, in my opinion. Yeah, I think when you were explaining it, I was thinking to myself, yeah, this is really, really simple, but engaging. And it has the virality element to it, so that's always going to help. And um, it's also really similar to some other, let's say, games that get the core loop correctly. I think for for Clash of Clans, as I mentioned, like they have a core that works. And, uh, you know, if that core works, then you can obviously monetize your players. You can uh, keep them engaged. And yeah, the issue I have with a lot of blockchain games is like the whole flow is so complicated that will get drowned in all these things and they they're gonna stop caring at some point yeah yeah beacon doesn't does seem to have nailed that so i does it just a really good example for other games to just try how do you think is kind of the uh maybe the genre of the game you're building is gonna affect because i don't know it's really hard to create some type of games let's say an rpg or some things but is it better to stick with kind of these simpler more fun but you can kind of finish the loop and then have this or is it worth to going to more complex way of you know building uh, games and genres um, in your opinion yeah that's a great question um <clears throat> one thing that 
I've saw quite a common theme um, is that the sort of Web3 gaming demographic is much different to the traditional gaming demographic. So a good example of that is if you look at like a traditional game streamer on Twitch and the traditional gaming world, all of their engagement happens at the weekend, it happens at evenings in the US time, um, typically. Um, it doesn't really happen during like the, the core working hours and the working week. When you look at the the, um, the engagement of Web3 gaming content creators, it's the opposite. Um, they're not getting much engagement at all at the weekend, and their numbers drop to very, very low views and low likes and retweets, etc. Um, and it all happens during the working week. <clears throat> and the reason for that, that I believe, is that it's the Web3 the Web3 gaming community is predominantly Web3 users um, who are online during the day, trading, doing different things. Um, that's the reality of it right now. So the attention span for that for that type of gamer is much different to the one that has hours at the weekend to play a game. So that's also where I think the Beacon found really good product market fit is that it was like five, 10 minutes per day. You could do it at a really great game loop and then you went on with your day. Then the next day you kind of looked forward to playing it again for 10 minutes, 20 minutes. And that was it. That was that was all you had to do time-wise. Um, I think marketing a game to a Web3 game audience that requires hours and hours of stuff, uh, hours and hours of time, um, just to complete a web or whatever, it's just not going to cut it right now until we get like the sort of mass adoption the traditional gaming community and that's my view. Yeah, that's that's just pure gold. <laughs> I think that's uh, that's really good advice for a lot of people that are listening to this. Uh, just also about the timing of the market, you gotta like respect that. Okay, this is where we are right now, so you gotta play with uh, yeah. the current state of things, and yeah. you cannot make magic when you know. All these things are still not there uh, but maybe the time will come that you know we have much better infrastructure tooling uh, even a more engaged uh, player community then you can go and experiment with harder models um, kind of trying to bring the conversation to um, kind of the infrastructure blockchain layer all the kind of things that maybe would scare a lot of uh, game developers because as you mentioned, building a game is already difficult and you add on top of it, you know, all these things. Uh, it's just going to make it even scarier. One pot potential solution to that, as you mentioned, is just don't make it so complicated. Just make it about a fun game that has some elements of blockchain. You don't need to go all in. Mm -hmm. uh, but how, how Arbitrum is thinking about, you know, the gaming industry and uh, what was the kind of reasoning for introducing Arbitrum Nova, which is like a really fast, a super cheap of, you know, transacting with blockchain. Uh, walk us through that kind of uh, uh, mindset and how we came about here. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> um, a big focus last year uh, for Arbitrum was getting the best gaming infrastructure to support the chain. Um, I do believe that the current user experience is the massive limitation on Web3 gaming adoption. So, um, working with teams like yourself, actually, Flare, um, which makes it extremely easy uh, to take an existing game and abstract the technical uh, development elements of Web3 away is very, very important. So having 
really good um, wallets that are integrated directly into the game, doing the sort of fee on ramping straight through the game. Um, all of this is super, super important, and that's why that sort of sector of gaming infrastructure and tooling is getting the most investment. Um, over the past few months, we're sort of, I think we've passed the sort of peak of the bear market, hopefully, or the depth of the bear market. And we're starting to see quite a lot of investment pouring into the gaming sector, but it's not so much going into the games themselves. People are investing in the picks and shovels, um, the Web3 game tooling that is really going to have a chance at cracking mass adoption. Um, so yeah, I, I do think that is very, very important, that sector. And we spend a lot of t time at Arbitrum Gaming um, working with um, those key infrastructure uh, um, teams. Um, it's very important to us. Yeah, I think Arbitrum should have a really good uh, insight about where the industry is moving because, um, as you mentioned, I also agree, kind of the market has different phases. Maybe right now is more like the, I don't know, maybe the infrastructure tooling phase, which some of these tools are going to get built. And some examples like, you know, Beacon, like some people who are trying to test things and yeah. uh, giving us new ideas for the next phase. But I think definitely the application or let's say the gaming phase will come very soon when we have, you know, a, a better base of, for example, you know, the transactions are predictable, they're solid, they're fast. A lot of people are comfortable with wallets. Uh, all these things kind of come together and then you can create nicer experience on blockchain, which I think to be honest, it's, it's, not, it's not that we're gonna talk about games in terms of are they a blockchain game or not. I think yeah. in the future, we're gonna talk about games and blockchain yeah. is one of the things that is powering that. So um, yeah. Yeah, I, I really hope we can get to that. Yeah, and just to touch on Arbitrum Nova, which you mentioned, um, we also believe in that sort of vision that the blockchain will be abstracted away from a lot of gamers. And that's where we really feel that Arbitrum Nova is probably um, really well positioned in the blockchain market because it is secured by Ethereum, which is kind of like a, a must have um, over the past year and two. There's been so much risk on developing on an Alt L1. Um, and sort of ended up in a stranded stranded network with no users, whereas within the, the Ethereum roadmap is a much safer um, safer bet that it will still be here in 5, 10, 20 years and relevant, a particular chain. So that's where Nova comes in really strongly as it takes that um, and then it also reduces the fees massively compared to um, most other chains. I think it's probably one of the cheapest, I think it is the cheapest um, sort of chain within the top 20 um, right now. Um, so it's definitely great for game teams that are looking to ease um, players in by sort of paying some of the gas. I mean, that was why Reddit uh, chose Arbitrum Nova for its community points is that it wanted to abstract gas away, but it also wanted to be on Ethereum. So they chose Nova to do that. Um, so game, game teams are also working at the exact same um, set up. There's a couple that are building on Nova just now um, exactly for these reasons and then in general I guess the speed as well is super important um, Arbitrum Nova and Arbitrum 1 is about 0 0.25 seconds per block so it's currently 10 times cheaper than, uh, faster than most other chains which are like 2 2.5 seconds for a block so yeah if you're thinking of 
Xbox changes the games console for Web3 games, then you want the safest, securest, fastest and cheapest. And that's where that's why we built Nova. Um, so we're definitely very, very confident that this is the infrastructure layer for Web3 gaming in the future. Yeah, Nova just checks a lot of boxes. I mean, based on our own experience, when we talk to several games, you know, from different backgrounds, you know, some of them are coming from other L1s, some of them from other L2 solution. Um, again, objectively, Nova checks a lot of boxes for them. So yeah, definitely, if you're listening to this, and if you're a game that wants all the things that David mentioned, which I think a lot of games would want that, then definitely uh, reach out to the Arbitrum team. Um, David, maybe just taking the conversation more about um, a lot of games right now want to you know build something good they have good intentions they have good motivation uh, but you know the funding aspect of uh, hey I, I need to commit some part of my time or I need to hire some people uh, you know in the traditional world you just need to go to uh, some VC or something get some money um, do you think that uh, what are the possibilities in blockchain let's say to maybe remove some of these issues uh, for gaming founders when it comes to fundraising? Yeah. Um, I think with fundraising, there is obviously a lot of attention on the space right now, and I think 2023 is going to be a great year for them. Um, one thing we're always encouraging teams when they're looking at doing fundraising is to be at the stage where you have actual gameplay to show if you can get there, even just a small alpha. That's, that's absolutely critical for getting either VC investments or or just getting general uh, the community to buy into an airway access pass, for example. Um, so yeah, having some sort of gameplay, if you can be scrappy at the airway stages and get it off the ground in that sense, then definitely there's a great chance in Web3 to get funding. There's obviously a lot of funding going around. Um, and yeah, I think it's a really good model. Um, the Web3 model for te game teams to get off the ground, I do believe that, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You need to show something that, hey, I can do this. Obviously, maybe you cannot go from zero to 100 in one go, but yeah, you can show something, even be able to, um, you know, gather a bit of community. I don't know if I'm always on board with selling NFTs up front and then yeah. going to the next stages. I mean, I can see some good sides about that, but it also can maybe create the wrong impression in the players, especially if they're only there to make money. Um, so it's a thin yeah. line, but it can be helpful. Um, absolutely. I think it would be worth touching as well on um, Treasure Down, who are very helpful in this way for game, small indie game teams getting off of the ground. So Treasure Down is a sort of decentralized game studio um, that focuses on Web3 gaming. Um, they really lean heavily into interoperability. So when you're building game assets, they want them to be interoperable with other game assets. And also it will be a place where you just log into sort of the treasure treasure website. Um, you get a wallet um, and their assets are all there for to play different games. Um, so one thing that they have is the Treasure Builder program. They just started that officially a few months ago. Um, and that's for indie game teams in the early stages and even more developed. Um, you can go into the Treasure Dow community or the Treasure Dow ecosystem and you can get a community from that um, if you align with the sort of the values of the community. Um, but they can also give you 
extremely, extremely useful support um, in terms of designing game loops. Uh, they have a whole network of advisors that can help with that. And yeah, they really are great for hand-holding um, and indie game teams to success. Um, they've done that with the Beacon. They've done that with plenty of others. Um, and they've got quite a lot in their pipeline as well. So outside of, although your question was specific to indie teams getting off the ground and fundraising, I also think that they are a key a key part of it as well um, as a support network. Yeah. One of the best DAOs I have seen in the Web3 space is without a doubt Treasure. It's a, a great group of people. And as you mentioned, it's not only about, you know, um, the funding aspect, you get to be among, let's say, other players, you get to get feedback about your game, you get to onboard maybe first 100 players of your game, get yeah. feedback about how to design, like all the things a game developer, especially indie game developer, would need. So yeah, uh, probably the place to be for a lot of people who want to just get some ideas or maybe get a boost in their development work. Uh, any other exciting things happening on the gaming side on Arbitrum, David, that is making you excited for the next few months? Yeah, I think um, this year we see a level up and the, the quality and the, the teams building games on Arbitrum. Um, one of the sort of most exciting ones that's coming in the next month or two probably is AI Arena. It's kind of like a smasher style game, but it has a really... Um, deep back end built into it with AI elements. Um, they were kind of doing this this AI theme before it was even hot. Um, they've been building for a long time now. Um, so it is, it is a real element to it, the AI aspect, where you basically train your character in a training room and it learns, it learns how you like to fight. You then take that character and you do like real life fighting. So um, I think within the game, uh, I'm very, very excited about AI Arena. They have a lot of a lot of interest um, within the Web3 community just now, and they're, they're going live soon. I think that's a really good thing about Arbitrum Gaming is a lot of it is just here, the games that are playable, or they're coming very, very soon. It's not like years and years away from having fun, playable games. Um, so yeah, AI Arena is one of my top picks. We have plenty of others as well. Um, We've got sort of Forgotten Moons Wizards, which is like a, a huge NFT collection on ETH mainnet. Um, they're building a sort of Web3 uh, brand. Um, they've got like a 200,000 piece comic set, TV show. Um, they're developing two games on Arbitrum. Really, really excited for that team. Um, I think they've got a really good chance of bringing the traditional users into Web3 through their brand. So yeah, there's lots of, lots of games coming and I'm really excited for this year. Yeah, one thing that is really apparent from outside about uh, Arbitrum and Arbitrum Gaming in particular is I think there's a high preference for quality rather than quantity in the uh, Arbitrum ecosystem. As you mentioned, a lot of these games are not just making a promise that, hey, come and invest in this Ponzi scheme-like thing. No, all of them have, you know, yeah. playable games, which is, which is really awesome. Maybe maybe as a kind of last point to discuss, a lot of people really like how business development is done in Arbitrum because as mentioned, there's a kind of really good focus on quality. What what does your day-to-day -day look like when it comes to talking to all these interesting projects and onboarding them? Because a lot of, it could be really interesting for a lot of other Web3 builders as well. 
Yeah, 100%. Um, I think we, as a team, um, we focus on giving sort of the white glove service to projects. Um, we just try to be as helpful as we can and making the projects um, have the right infrastructure, connecting all of the pieces together, all of the teams, so that it's a really cohesive experience. The sort of interoperability between builders is a huge, huge focus of Arbitrum. Um, we don't we don't currently have a grants program on um, on Arbitrum, so all of the growth that we've done has been completely organic, and we've had to be sort of lean very very heavily into the the more customer success side of things and really being super super helpful. Um, so I think yeah, teams are really really enjoying the building experience on Arbitrum from what I hear. Um, and yeah, we just try to be as helpful as we can. So I think there's a lot to be said for the organic approach. Um, it does kind of, it, I think it gives a filter sometimes on teams that are here for the sort of long run um, versus maybe the teams that are sort of optimizing for the sort of financial success very, very early on. Um, they're more inclined probably to go with a, a network that gives, gives grants. Um, but at the moment, we've just been focused solely on building the best in class tech, um, and we've done that organically. So I think that, I think that's a big separator actually um, in terms of project quality on the chain. That's that's probably one of the reasons. Yeah, hundred percent. I think the you you need a mix of let's say short term and long term thinking. But yeah, uh, especially for this space, I think we need. People that, you know, no matter bear market, bull market, they're, they're there. They want to contribute. They want to build something. They believe in it. And I think we need more of those people. So it's, I think, definitely the right approach to take for, especially these early stages, because it's uh, it's going to define what's going to come next. For example, Beacon right now is going to create a roadmap for other games to follow that. So if the first examples are not good, then the other examples are not going to be good as well. So it's really critical to get this right. Yeah, a big, a big, another thing to share is that the ethos of the Arbitrum team um, is that we feel that we should be very, very supportive of projects that are both small and large. Um, we we think that sort of the Web three model can give smaller teams that wouldn't have a chance outside of the blockchain space to really succeed. Um, so some of the biggest projects on Arbitrum and the most successful within sort of the blockchain space right now all started as very very small teams that we gave a lot of support to um early on such as like gmx it's the second most um successful in terms of daily revenue in the blockchain space certainly in DeFi. um that was sort of a one-man band and when the the chapter on our door we gave them a lot of help um we tried to be very very inclusive of all teams um and yeah, we think that's a key driver as well. Yeah, yeah, that's the way to go. You, you shouldn't create kind of walls that, hey, you cannot approach me, you cannot talk to me. I think yeah, it's just, even the conversations in Discord, you can just hop on a Discord and talk to head of partnership of Arbitrum or I don't know, a game developer on yeah. Treasure DAO. You know what I'm just, yeah. uh, it's much better than the traditional world. So I think that by itself should be a good motivation for people to want to stick around and build because people are not behind, let's say, walls or offices, just they're talking to each other every day. So yeah, definitely. that's super useful. David, this has been great. I really enjoyed it. Any any last words from, from your side? 
Yeah, just keep an eye on the Arbitrum gaming ecosystem. It's very, very um, strong right now, the community, um, both on the, the actual user side, the gamer side, and the builder side. So um, what's going on, and we really hope to build uh, or bring support fun games that's what we're aiming for so keep an eye on the ecosystem get involved with treasure though if you can um try out some of the other games that are coming as well um generally they have a quite low barrier to entry so yeah we'd love to love to see more gamers absolutely all the links will be in the description so definitely check them out thank you so much david for joining and see you guys in the next one thank you very much Kaiser. see ya